There is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're going to be talking about relationships. Now, regardless how you think about people, the better the relationships you have throughout the organization, the better for your career, for your team, ultimately for the group's culture and performance. In fact, I'm going to argue the better for your life in general. Let's also admit that some people are a bit of a challenge to work with. Now, today, we're going to focus first on how to manage people with big egos. And then I want to turn to talk a little bit about trust. And finally, I want to talk about what to do when trust is broken, namely the process of forgiveness. A bit of an unusual topic for um corporate, but I think you're going to find it's incredibly helpful. So with me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. He has over 30 years of experience helping people work together in all aspects of life and his perspective on what it takes to create healthy relationships, to understand complex personalities, and to build or rebuild trust comes from his experience with families, churches, and communities. He's an ordained minister, a supervisor of clinical pastoral education, a senior professor at Campbell University Divinity School, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and a bunch more. He and his wife, Dr. Emma Wallace, maintain a private practice in Lexington, North Carolina. And more importantly, he's my brother. So, <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to chat with you. Likewise. I'm really looking forward to this one because I think your perspective is one we don't often hear in the corporate world, and I think it's a really important one. So I want to start with um, this topic about dealing with people who have big egos. And let's be honest, they exist everywhere, and in the corporate world, they actually do pretty well. In fact, they do pretty well in most organizations. Some would argue that if you don't have a bit of an ego, it's pretty hard to lead. So what's your idea, what's your perspective about how to deal with people who have a large ego? Well, the, to begin with, uh, in a competitive environment, I mean, you're gonna, you're, like you said, you're going to have to have a certain amount of ego strength to be in a leadership position. Uh, and, but people who can't be wrong and people who can't accept feedback or who have to be admired or have to be the center of most interactions, uh, these, these people have an ego that is hungry or and desperate oftentimes. And so they're constantly demanding that they be fed and they be the center of attention. Uh, one of, one, let me say, one of the things that I've found working in, in organizations is that oftentimes troubled organizations have someone in a leadership position that has got a problem with their personality. And, you know, about 15% of the population has personality disorder, I mean, by most estimates. So, uh, some of it comes down to who, how our personality is structured and uh, whether that's a healthy personality or whether it's a personality that, that is, uh, that's pretty sick and pretty hungry and pretty desperate sometimes. 
All right, so let me, I just want to repeat that because I think it's a really important point for people to understand that some people estimate, estimate and I've heard this before, 15% of people in the world have some sort of personality disorder. And if they have any social skills at all, they're going to show up in organizations and in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there are three, well, there are three clusters of personality disorders. There, the one is the one that troubles us most. The other ones are fearful and sort of odd and <clears throat> keep their distance. But the personality disorders, the antisocial, the narcissistic, the borderline, and histrionic, it's called cluster B personalities if you want to do some Googling on it. But these personalities are can be very destructive and very difficult to get along with, impossible to get along with many times. Um, someone with a healthy ego, uh, can you can approach them and say, you know, I disagree with this, I have another opinion, uh, let me give you my feedback, and they can accept it. People who have egos that personality disorders have to defend themselves so rigidly they are not able to take any kind of uh, guidance or leadership. They have to be right all the time. Uh, I say this in marriage most often. Uh, the quote is that, that would you rather be married or rather be right? Because people want to be want to be right all the time and fight so hard to be right. Uh, the people people who get to and, and you, people with big egos and sick egos, narcissistic people, for example, can climb in an organization pretty easily. And well, we live in an org, with a narcissistic culture. I mean, our cultures our culture likes narcissistic people. Uh, we admire them. We look, overlook their inadequacies, and we join their fan club. I mean, that's that's the culture we live in, and so it's not unusual at all to get someone in a high position of leadership that is sincerely a narcissistic has a narcissistic personality disorder, and that is not healthy. That's not healthy for the organization. Okay. All right. So the hallmark you describe of this is you say that a healthy ego is someone that can disagree. You can disagree with them and they can accept it. But someone that has to be right all the time and is constantly defending themselves and being rigid is where we create trouble. Now, I want to just pause because I certainly deal with a lot of coaching clients that I'm not sure I'd put in the narcissistic category, but they sure do need to be right I'm mm-hmm. far more interested in being right than being effective. Yeah. And it makes yeah. problems. Okay. Yeah. So I, I get the sense that, the you know, what makes the difference between a healthy ego and an unhealthy ego. What's the, how do we deal with people, though, when we end up with a leader who's a bit narcissistic? Is there any tactics that are going to make this more manageable? Well, I think the most important thing for us to do in an organization is to be able to differentiate ourselves, to be who we are. And that takes a certain amount of emotional intelligence. Um, let me read you a quote about differentiation from Murray Bowen, who's considered sort of the father of family systems theory. It says, a differentiated self is one who can maintain emotional objectivity while in the midst of an emotional system in turmoil and yet at the same time actively relate to key people in the system. So being able to be yourself, have your opinion, uh, know what, what your points are, uh, and be able to state that with clarity. The second thing is boundaries. Uh, that, and that means clarity. Boundaries are about this is what I like. I do not like that. I like this. 
I will do that, I will not do this. But clear boundaries about who you are, and that's not, that doesn't mean rigid, but it means that you are, when you relate to someone, you can, they know who you are and where you stand. Uh, very important. Big egos, the big thing is do not try to rub someone's nose in your truth. Uh, the defenses are so strong, and, and, and the defenses to our ego are unconscious. And so most times we defend in ourselves, we don't even know we're doing it. And people with big egos or super egos or, or sick egos, they are so defended that they cannot take critique very well. So I, I would be careful in our criticism, uh, and I'd work more for trying to understand. Um, and if, you, if you're working with a narcissistic person, you've got to come to the terms with the fact that you're not going to get anything in return. Uh, that's one of the hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorders is they are not able to give back. They only receive. So, and finally, when I, if I were complimenting people, I would recommend that you be honest with your compliments and the praises, because everybody needs to be praised. But don't overdo it, and don't just do it to build someone's ego. I don't know if I've spoken to your question or not, but... (laughs) You have. So if I just repeat that, I'm going to try to synthesize this. There's a lot in there. So there's a part I do when I'm dealing with a big ego or a personality disorder and leader. I have to have a heavy dose of who I am. So there's a bit of an inward look. I have to know what my opinions are. I have to be willing to state those with clarity. I have to be willing to hold them, even though it's not necessarily popular. I have to know what my boundaries are in terms of what I'm willing to do and not willing to do, um, who I'm going to be, who I'm not going to be, not in a rigid way so that I can't move, but in a clear way I'm comfortable. Okay, so that's part one. But you also said part two is about not trying to challenge the person with a big ego. That their defenses are really strong. They're so defensive they don't even know they're doing it. And so they don't take the critique. So trying to have a big confrontational meeting with somebody with an overblown ego isn't going to work very well, if I heard you correctly. It's just not smart. All right, and then the third thing you said is that the conventional wisdom about, you know, you just play to their ego isn't going to work either. Um, Of course, we do all need compliments. We all need some praise. But you want to be honest in that as opposed to syncophantic, I think I heard you say. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Particularly when people around you are uh, heaping praise on someone, uh, oftentimes undeservingly. But those are followers. Those are people who are not do not know who they are. Okay. And, and oftentimes, when someone does not have an internal, clear internal sense of self, is not well differentiated, they attach to people who seem to have strong egos, and follow these people, uh, and that's disastrous. But that's that's what happens. Uh, uh, working in churches, I have found people with very weak egos. Um, do not know who they are, and will just t- attach to some leader without any kind of critique. And, okay. But that that's to help booster, uh, help build up who they are. Because mm-hmm. I don't, if I don't know who I am, then I'm going to need to be attached to you and follow you, so it'll tell me who I am. You know, I think you know who you are. And the, the irony is that we we often do that with people who have egos that are not healthy. And we wind okay. up being a person to just feed into an unhealthy system. 
Okay, so then we're actually com- making the problem worse. Yes, yes. By not being part of it. Okay. All right, so let me give you an example. I want to get a reaction from you on this one. And um, at one point in time, I was talking to a number, to every CEO I could get to speak to me about it, of how you deal with somebody who has this big ego. And I figure the reason I was speaking to CEOs is I figure either they had big egos or they had to deal with somebody who had big egos. So I wanted their perspective on how do you deal with this kind of stronger-than-life character mm-hmm. who needs to be the bit at the center of attention always. And to a person... I always got the same answer, and the answer was frequently you need to figure out what they want and give it to them, and often it's surprisingly small. Yeah. Now, you would say, though, with somebody who has a, a personality disorder, a narcissistic ego, that probably isn't going to be enough. So what's your view of that advice? Right. That's not going to be enough for someone who, who has a pathological personality. Um, but a personality that's uh, ego is fairly healthy, and, and we need healthy egos. I mean, that's 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 the the center of self differentiation. I mean, to be healthy, to and, but that's about knowing who we are, and not not giving not giving ourselves away to someone else, and and becoming who someone uh, thinks we are. Um, if you can figure out what someone is asking for, what someone is needing. And and offer that in an authentic way. I think the, I think your uh, CEOs are exactly right. Um, the problem with uh, the, an ego that is unhealthy is that's not going to help. It's just going to be another drop in the bucket. Um, but most of us, when people, when someone is addressing what we are needing, most of us respond rather positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is being understood. If we feel like someone is understanding us, that gets us, then we we can be more flexible. Uh, the rigidity is the worst part. That's the worst uh, piece of uh, relationships. I mean, if you if you're rigid, you're not going to do well in relationships. Flexibility is the skill, and being able to to drop some of the rigidity that to be understood helps you to not be so rigid and so defended. So understanding is a big one. All right. So I just want to repeat that one because that's a really powerful statement. This notion that when we feel understood, it allows us to be more flexible. And flexibility is the real skill in relationships. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, let me challenge that with something that's in the popular press in the moment. I will preface by saying that I don't necessarily agree with it. But there's a lot being written about authenticity. And the authenticity is described as, I have to be who I am. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to deviate. And in some cases, it looks almost like I'm not going to grow. That's rigid. My response okay. is rigid. <laughs> okay. So genuine authenticity means understanding who I am, what I'm about, where my boundaries are, what my values are, what my opinions are as me as an entity, and then be willing to flex within that in relationship to someone else. Did I do a decent job? Yes. But, and, and when you're talking about growth, I mean, we're all in a growing process. Uh, we, we all grow, are growing. Hopefully we're growing. And to say that I'm, I've got it together and this is all I need, I don't need anything else, is not a very healthy statement. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I think that's our, great. Yeah, our, and the problem is, our, we again, I'll repeat. I think we live in a narcissistic culture and don't even know it. And I think that just feeds a lot of this uh, unconsciously that that yeah. we we latch onto that. Right. 
We and, certainly and see let that. Me one more, let me say one more thing. I think, and, and I think about this in terms of organization. When you have someone at the top of an organization that starts with a pathological personality, that is going to filter. There's no way that cannot filter its way down to affect negatively affect the organization. I don't think it's possible for it not to. Okay. Now, is it possible to sit in an organization with a pathological personality ahead of you and survive it? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, it's possible to survive. Um, I would, the, one of the main things, though, is be, be clear that this person is not going to be, you're not going to get anything from this person. The, the energy is all going one way. It's all about this person, and that's the way it's going to be. And um, if you can live with that, um, then you can survive with it. Um, but that's not going to change. These personalities don't necessarily change, and, the, and the, the personalities we're talking about are not the people who seek help. Uh, they're the people who are so defended, they, don't, they cannot admit they need help. And so then it goes on and on and on. And so if you're in an organization that has a narcissistic leader or an antisocial leader, which is worse, um, then you're an organization that's going to be impacted pretty profoundly with that, that personality disorder at some point. And you just need to be aware of it and know what it is. You need to know what you're dealing with. I, I keep saying that anybody in a leadership position needs to be in some, have some way to get consultation from a confidential source. Uh, if you don't have someone that you can bounce things off, our defenses just blind us to, uh, particularly if we've been hurt or upset by someone, then we, our defenses just blind us. And so uh, without someone to give us an objective look, uh, I have a group of men that I've been been meeting with for 25 years, and we meet four times a year, overnight, and that's what we do. We consult with each other about the things that we are doing, have done, and get some kind of clarity about what we're supposed to be about. So, yeah. yeah, I take heart that in the leadership field there is a return uh, in the last few months, the last six months, really to the need to do more self-reflection and to have time for self-reflection, to give it value, to think about your values, to think about your positions, in effect, to think about who you are. That fell out of favor for a while, and I think it's a really powerful thing that we are coming back to it, and we're seeing you know, a lot of praise for people who are doing that. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. Yeah. Socrates says that unexamined life is not worth living. <laughs> the unexamined life is not worth living. That's absolutely right. All right, we're going to take a break here. Um, so with me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. Uh, Mac has 30-plus years' experience helping people work together in all aspects of life, create healthy relationships, work with complex personalities, and build or rebuild trust. And his experience comes from families, churches, communities, organizations, as you've heard. We've been talking about how to deal with personalities that are disruptive, disorders, um, narcissistic, antisocial, just impossible to deal with. Not just the average ego, but egos that cannot accept criticism, that are rigidly defensive of themselves, that need to be the center of the tension all the time and then have to be the right all the time. We often find them in leadership positions. And the notion is, to be effective with these personalities, you have to understand who you are, what your opinions are, be yourself clear on your boundaries. 
-hmm. Two, you have to recognize that no criticism of that person is going to get you where you need to be. And three is be honest with all of your compliments to them. Yes, compliment, but don't overdo it. And then four is recognize you're not going to get anything from this person. It's just how it's going to be. If you can do that, you can survive it. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about trust and rebuilding trust when it's broken. We'll be right back. Okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. Mac has over 30 years experience helping people work together in all aspects of life, creating healthy relationships, building and rebuilding trust, and dealing with some complex personality. His experience comes from families, churches, communities, and organizations. Um, So we've just been talking about how to deal with a personality, the big ego, the narcissistic antisocial personality, that is a personality disorder. Now, we're not talking about people who have healthy egos. We're talking about people where it is only about them. They're so defended that they can never be wrong about anything. Um, and uh, rigid, don't move, immovable. So I want to shift, though, now from talking about that side to talking about the nicer side of organizations and relationships, and that has to do with building trust. And, Max, this is one of my favorite topics to talk with you about. Um, First, because I know you spend a lot of time helping people in family systems in particular and in a variety of organizations build trust. I think it may be one of the most important skills out there for everything we do, but I don't think we have enough understanding of what it takes to build trust. So let's start with your view on what does it take to get trust established? Well, to begin with, uh, trust, uh, Eric Erickson's uh, Epigenetic Stages of Social Development talks about trust versus mistrust as the very first building block of our personalities. And some people do not learn to trust in their environment, the environment that they grew up in. Life teaches them to trust, but some people carry a sense of mistrust inside that they learned well as a child, and it was pretty helpful for them as a child. 
The other side is some people learn too much. It was life was gave them too much, and so they they can be gullible and distrust anybody and too much without without any kind of critique. Um, I find this in beginning therapists to be a really difficult thing to to be able. They they tend to trust everything the person says rather than having a sense of healthy sense of suspicion that this is not all that it seems to be. Um, yeah, but life teaches us about this, the good or ill, and we we are somewhere on this continuum of trust versus mistrust. Um, we, we are somewhere on it, and so the ability to trust has something to do with our personality too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you're talking about an individual, let's say, and in this case, my ability to trust somebody else, my ability to engage mm-hmm. in a trusting relationship not being too mistrustful, too slow, too cautious to trust, and also not equally being so trusting, I trust every word that you say and give away things that I shouldn't give away with you. So somewhere in that continuum. Okay, now that's about me. When I enter in a relationship, now what happens? Well, then that's going to, if, you, if you're having difficulty being trusting, uh, you're going to enter a relationship and with all kinds of caution and hiddenness. You're not going to let people know who you are. You, you, your creativity will not be there. You're not going to share that. You keep your gifts to yourself. I mean, and you know, you try to make a way for yourself and ignoring other people. Um, you have to have trust to work in group. You just, you, it, groups do not function well unless trust is built. Uh, I've, I've found that if, when people spend some time together and get to know each other, trust usually comes pretty easily. Uh, and often the people we do not trust are people we just do not know. Mm-hmm. So uh, learning, learning to talk with people, understand people, uh, learning, learning how to be with them, uh, that's, that's, a, that's what builds trust. Okay. The other thing is authenticity. Um, well, you've mentioned that word earlier, but authenticity is, is really being who I am, no more or no less, and not, not being apologetic for it. Authenticity and vulnerability is what builds trust. Uh, when, when we can be vulnerable and safe with someone, we can trust them. It's those two combinations that we need to, be, to, to really be trusting. Okay. And that's not, that's not always natural in groups. Yes. <laughs> I was working recently with a group and an organization where their personalities are to be more mistrustful. I won't say they're on the really far outside end of that spectrum, but that's largely the personalities. And maybe not everybody, but enough of them so that it becomes a dominant tone within the group. Mm-hmm. And you just need to add to that kind of mistrust a sense that Everybody runs their own show, and they don't actually need each other in any way. And now maybe we add some hurts. Maybe two or three people have been hurt in some way by some component of something that's happened in the organizational life. Maybe they didn't get the promotion when they wanted. Maybe they feel somebody else got favoritism, whatever it is. And you have a dynamic where it's virtually, it's really hard to break that down and build trust back within that group. So what's your yeah. advice? Well, it has to be intentional. I mean, you, this is not something that's going to happen automatically. 
it has to be intentional, and it, and it takes some time. Uh, but I, I think, first of all, I think the group needs to be clear about it. Do we need to build trust? Is this do are we mis- do we not trust each other? And that that kind of clarity needs to be put on the table. Um, and if if uh, you're working with someone who is unwilling or unable to trust or be trusting, um, then be clear about it. It's just the way it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, anyway, that. Uh, health, the, the healthy suspicion is the word I ten, tend to use that, that, um, that, that I believe you, uh, but I also am aware that what you're saying to me is filtered through your defenses, through, uh, through your personality, your defenses, your experiences. And I need to realize that that's not necessarily how I would see that. So I'm not, I'm not gullible enough to say, every, I'm hanging on every word you say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. I love that. I spend most of my life with coaching people, trying to get them to see that there might be an alternative interpretation than the one they have just concluded. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I uh, when I'm working with couples, one of the things that I say about uh, um, an interpretation of another's actions, I say, why don't you come up with about ten different reasons that person could have done that. Uh, and not just stay latched on to the one that you you think, because that's projection. Yeah. We we project yeah. onto others the hidden parts of ourselves, and often and it's unconscious. And so, mm-hmm. if you if you did not grow up with trust, then you're going to be suspicious of others and uh, that they're not trustworthy. Okay. Unless you've learned it in school, unless you've learned it through your life in the mm-hmm. school, the life school. <laughs> Uh, and and people people come from very difficult and troubled backgrounds and childhoods, and they do grow, they do learn, they do establish relationships, and and so trust is is a learned skill. It's not something that you you are just automatically going to stay with. It's a learned skill, and I, I I do think we need. I I encourage people to push the envelope towards trusting. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, and I see people who may have grown up in a very trusting environment, but the course of their careers, their lives, have built a degree of distrust, so they become more suspicious than they were before. Okay, let's do the flip side of this one, because I think you have a really unique perspective in here. So, let's say we're working together, and whatever happens, my trust in you is now broken, and I've mm-hmm. crossed that line that says, I can't trust you. Mm-hmm. What's your advice? What do you do? How do you rebuild trust when it's broken? Well, if you can have a relationship with a person where you can discuss the things that you are mistrustful of, if it's safe enough to do that, that is the easiest, quickest route. Because oftentimes mistrust is about misunderstanding. Uh, we project motives onto others and really don't know their motives. Um, we don't know why they did what they did or said what they did or didn't do. Um, and so that, that is our, we project that onto others. And so then we, we think this person uh, did this to hurt me intentionally. And that's not usually the case, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, the first thing I would say is, is to work on understanding and, 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 and conversation. Uh, once you understand someone, you can 
you can have a pretty good idea about how much you can trust them. Okay. But if you if you if you're living on your projections, though, what you project on the people, what you think they are, then you're not going to get a clear picture. Okay. All right, so I just want to repeat what you said, that mistrust is often about misunderstanding, that we project yeah. motives onto the other person. We assume we know why they did what they did and that they did it intentionally to hurt us. And so the secret to rebuilding trust is about conversation. Now, Mac, that's pretty scary, right? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. trust you. Um, a lot is on the line. My career, my livelihood, my success is on the line. And you want me to talk to you about what it is I don't trust? Hmm. How's that go? How safe is it? <laughs> if it's not safe, that's not smart. Again, okay. the ability to be vulnerable and safe at the same time. And if you can't have those, you have to be careful. You have to guard yourself because uh, there are people who will take advantage and misuse uh, your vulnerability. Um, okay. So how do I know if it's safe? What, what are the signals that are telling me it's safe or not safe? Well, usually these people have a record. <laughs> these, usually okay. the people that you feel like you have mistrust. This is not the first uh, episode that you've experienced or seen or heard about. And so that's, that's one indicator that where do they come from, what is their track record. And, you know, some people, people who are, mistru- who are untrustworthy are usually will be known. Uh, okay. The word is out. You can't trust this person. Don't tell this person this. I mean, we've all heard that. that okay. um, the word is out. So to try to, trying to get a clear understanding of, to start with, is this somebody I can talk to? Okay. And again, I get back to consultation. Get someone to help you uh, also unhook from your biases and be able to be emotionally objective to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. That way you're not, you're not nervous, so nervous, and you're not uh, stuck on your agenda, and you're able to listen with a, a different ear. Okay. All right. Great advice. Great advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to take a break again here. Let me just see if I can repeat, because there's a lot that's been said, that each of us exists somewhere on the continuum as a personality of whether we trust or whether we mistrust. And that um, that is a starting point to understand what it is that has led us in our lives to be trusting or mistrusting. That to build trust, it means I have to spend time with the person and get to know them. That frequently not trusting is because I don't know the person. Right. And the next part is that I have to be both authentic, who I am, not rigid about it, but authentic, and vulnerable and safe. With all those three components, it's pretty hard to build trust. So, and I love your phrase, you use the healthy suspicion. Mm-hmm. Re- recognizing that whatever anybody says to me is filtered through their defenses and their personality and may not be 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, then we went on to talk about rebuilding trust, and that's about having a conversation. And to do that conversation, I want, want to know, what's the track record of this person? Are they known by lots of people to be untrustworthy and therefore it may not be safe with them and then a two is to get consultation with somebody so I unhook from my own perspective and biases and projections and can kind of get a bit emotionally objective and I can listen clearly yes yes okay all right Mm -hmm. go ahead Nope, no, I'm just going to say I, I totally agree. Yep, you, you said it well. <laughs> okay, all right. Fabulous, fabulous. I want to do one last thing here because I think it's really important. It's this notion that we often project onto others the hidden parts of ourselves. 
Um, and that's our filters, our biases, our defenses, our filters, and they make trust extraordinarily difficult. Okay, we're going to take a break again. When we come back, I want to talk about forgiveness. When it's gone wrong, can you forgive? Should you forgive? And how do you forgive? With me again is Dr. Mac Wallace, who's a specialist in relationships, personalities, communities, and organizations. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. Mac has over 30 years experience helping people work together in all aspects of life to build healthy relationships, to deal with complex personalities, to build trust, rebuild trust. And his experience comes from families, churches, and communities. He's an ordained minister, a supervisor of clinical pastoral education, a senior professor at Campbell University Divinity School, a licensed marriage and family practice uh, therapist. And he and his wife, Dr. Emma Wallace, maintain a private practice in Lexington, North Carolina, just to give a bit of the background there. Uh, We've been talking about dealing with big egos that are major personality disorders, not the minor stuff of, you know, average people going around. I repeat that there's about 15% of the population that has a personality disorder of some form. And then we've been talking about trust and how you can trust um, people and how you can rebuild trust. And now I want to turn to, I think, Mac's favorite topic, which is about forgiveness. And I can just to start this, I'm going to say, I can't tell you how many times in a coaching assignment, particularly when I'm dealing with somebody from a minority population who's feeling a little bit vulnerable in the organization anyway, and is angry about something somebody has said or done, whether that was justified, unjustified, appropriate, inappropriate. And the statement is, I will never forgive that person. And you mm-hmm. think that's a mistake. Why? Oh, yes, yes. Well, holding grudges is unhealthy for us, just for us and for relationships. That's just the bottom line. Um, Forgiveness to me, the best definition I've heard of forgiveness is giving up the fantasy that you will ever have a different past or a different history. Uh, You're letting that go. And we hold on to our resentments 
to protect ourselves, to punish others, and to some way hold on to a fantasy that we can make the past different. And we can't. It's, it is what it is, and we have to come to terms with that. Uh, so not forgiving someone is not good for you. Uh, let, let, me, let me say a couple, things about, a couple other things about forgiveness. There are two kinds of forgiveness we're talking about. One kind of forgiveness is when you're, you're working on forgiving a person to repair the relationship. Now, that takes true confession. If someone tells you specifically, uh, Wanda, I am sorry that I did A, B, C. I realize that hurt you, and I want you to forgive me. When that is said, and it's said in the right context or timing and, and the right effect that, that, is, that seems authentic, forgiveness is not all that difficult. Uh, it really isn't. Not unless it's, you've been betrayed over and over and over again. The hard piece is trying is trying to forgive people who have wronged you, and number one, they do not believe they've done anything wrong, and uh, and number two, you don't have an access or relationship to be able to do it, and that is just your own internal work. It, it of course, it's spiritual work because you're working on that internal part of yourself uh, that you need to let this go because it's going to hurt you. I think letting it go has to do with having your story heard. Everybody needs to tell their story, and everybody needs somewhere that's safe to tell the story. And if you can tell your story, if you can talk about it with someone, and talk about it enough, you can find ways to come to terms with letting go of this poisonous piece of yourself. And poison is what it is. Uh, It doesn't mean you're going to trust someone. And it doesn't mean you're going to forget what they've done. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean that you're not stuck with a grudge. Uh, vindictiveness is another piece that we, another thing that we as human beings do. We're, very, we're vindictive people. And so often we want to punish others or see that others are punished. Uh, and my best advice, you, you've got to let that go. That is not going to work. It doesn't work for anybody. Uh, the... The life in the world will take care of the consequences. Um, I, the, one of the things I say to people is when you've done your work, you have to stay open to the consequences, what's going to happen. You do not know how that's going to turn out. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know, for some people, this is just really difficult to do. Really, really difficult to do. And I'm imagining that if I am more of a distrusting or a mistrusting personality, this forgiveness gets harder and harder. Is that true? Yes, particularly if you've been betrayed before and particularly if you felt betrayed or neglected or abused as a child. So it's going to be harder work for you. It really is. Uh, It's necessary Um, work. And many times people can't do that until they get about middle age. I mean, it's hard to do that when when you're younger and uh, you have not had an opportunity to work through some of the stuff that that has uh, that you inherited in life. Um, so it is it is hard work. I'm going to bring it back in a corporate context and what I see with clients that I'm coaching in the corporate world. And routinely, people will have a boss that they feel mistreated them. And let's say, for the most part, that was true. They were mistreated. Mm-hmm. Betrayed. Promised something, and, and it wasn't given, and it wasn't explained, and all those sorts of things. So you feel betrayed. 
And I find that they find themselves again and again and again with a boss that betrays. Mm. About the third time you repeat this, you are convinced that everybody is going to betray you forever for the rest of your life. And that's simply not true. (laughs) (laughs) So is this where you think forgiveness comes in? That's, yeah, that's the kind of forgiveness that I was talking about, the second kind, that you, you really not, it's not about the relationship, and it's not about uh, getting along with the person or liking the person. It's about getting rid of the poison within your system that is affecting you. Uh, forgiveness is really about you and not someone else. And that, that's the other piece of consultation, that where consultation helps, is to get away from the confusion that, I'm trying to get somebody to change or trying to change them or get them to, uh, to admit something. Um, this kind of forgiveness is no, this is about you. It's about what you need to do and what you need to, to rid yourself of. Uh, my suggestion would be people, when they're stuck with forgiveness, I would start looking at your history and how this kind of, of uh, betrayal um, can be, uh, your response to this betrayal is usually rooted in your history and usually in a very unconscious way. Okay. All right. That sounds like something to be done with uh, somebody who's really skilled in this one as well. I want to go back to something you said before about having your story heard and the importance of having your story heard. So now, presumably, this isn't necessarily with the person that you're trying to forgive, but it's with someone who can actually listen to it and respect it and honor it. Is that fair? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you do not need to be telling your story to people who have hurt you or people you don't trust. Uh, that's not the people you tell your story to. And telling your story is not to them, it's for you, for someone to help you get some objectivity and and reframe it to see it in a different way. Um, we get it, we get in our our rigidity inside. We we hold on to our life experiences and we see that's the way life is. And it takes some emotional objectivity and someone outside of ourselves to help us to see. No, that's not the way the whole world is. There are people like that, but that's not the whole world. So, okay. yeah. all right. Uh, And in this way we've been talking about, I want to repeat something you said, that it's not about getting the other person to change. It's really about accepting this is what happens, and I don't have to to kind of expect it from everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay? Right. All right. Now, let's go back to the first kind. Because in the first kind of forgiveness, you said this is where we're really working to repair the relationship, meaning we have an adequate relationship and the other person is willing to say, I'm sorry, I did X, Y, and Z. I see the impact on you and I want you to forgive me. Now, lots of times people don't hear that very well. Yeah. So what's well, your you advice? Just, well, you just used the magic word, it's impact. Um <laughs> What happens when people are, are arguing or disagreeing or, or having uh, some, some kind of uh, mistrustful event? What happens is people argue about intention rather than impact. And most times our intentions, or we think our intentions are very noble. And so when I say my intentions were noble and so I didn't do anything wrong, and you say, yes, but what you did hurt me. 
Uh, let me give you one quick example. Em uh, and I, my wife, uh, got a check in the mail, one of those checks you weren't expecting. Oh, boy, a few thousand dollars, what can we do with it? And I immediately said, oh, we can put this to this. We can pay this off. And Emma got really upset. And I couldn't understand it because I'm not selfish. It's not for me. It was for us, something we were going to do. When I finally could hear, she was upset because I didn't ask her. The conversation was different, totally okay. different. I was arguing about the intention of my actions, and she needed to hear me understand the impact. So that is very important when you've, when you've betrayed someone or, you, or they think you've betrayed them, is to talk about how this impacted you, not what, what my good intentions were. But if it impacted you, I need to be take some responsibility for it. Okay. That that is a big piece of the of the trying to repair a relationship is to honestly hear that. That is such a subtle thing and such a hugely important thing in interpersonal dynamics. I just want to repeat this one. Most of the time when we're in a fight about something in a family or in an organization or with a boss for that matter. They're all the same, yes. (laughs) They're all the same. We're arguing about my intention versus your intention. Your motive versus my motive. And your yeah. argu- your statement is that that is never going to get you anywhere. That no. the issue is to talk about the impact. What was the impact on the other person? And to hear that, yeah. to honor that, take some responsibility for it, even if it wasn't your intention. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think most of our intentions are pretty noble, but they're often blinded by our own defensiveness and unconscious actions. Um, and so when, we, when someone says, you, you hurt me, uh, well, the first place we go is to our noble side. Well, I didn't mean, you didn't understand me. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, that was not what I was trying to communicate. Uh, that's, that's not going to help. Uh, moving towards understanding. Let me understand how you were hurt. How did this hurt you? And, and I really believe most of us, particularly uh, the healthy ones, if you've got a healthy ego, rather than a, than a narcissistic personality. Um, most of us, once we can really hear the impact on someone, we can have some kind of empathy and some kind of understanding why they got hurt uh, and why, why they, need your, you, they need to forgive you. Okay. Okay, and presumably to do this, I don't necessarily have to agree with the other person. I just have to understand how it impacted them. Right, and sometimes I I can say something that will hurt uh, someone, and it's it's not my intention, and there's no way I could have said it that wouldn't hurt you. Uh, That hurt comes out of your history. It's not about 2017. That's about the past. And the, the hurt out of the past gets caught up into the present. Uh, one of the problems with, uh, I've worked with a lot of PTSD um, uh, uh, military people, and one of the things is the, the collapse of the then and the now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we get into thinking that it is happening all over again. Here it is again. And being able to separate the then from the now um, that that's a big piece of, of coming to terms with is this out is this comes out of my history is that then it's not really occurring again it's just my fear that it's going to occur again, re- reoccur okay. Okay. but we're often blind with that we don't, don't okay. uh, we don't 
uh, don't have our eyes open. Then we were vulnerable. Now we're not a child. We're an adult. Uh, our eyes are open. We're not blindly trusting someone. I know who I am. I've got some sense of me, and I'm really not dependent on your approval. That's the now. And okay. I don't have to live in the then that is, that is so often uh, misperceived and, and, and run, ran, that gets run through the filter of our own uh, psychological experiences. So. Okay. That's pretty powerful. I mean, throughout all of this, as you're talking about dealing with the personality disorders in the world, um, building trust, repairing trust, and forgiveness, I come again and again and again to your words about being able to hold my own boundaries of what I see and what I think and what I, um, what is important to me, have my opinions. That's crucial. And to have some healthy suspicion so that I understand that what you are saying and feeling is coming through your filtered defenses and your filtered personality. And then to be able to understand the impact that I might have on you, irregardless of intention. Right. Right. Some people impact us negatively, um, and, and they're not mean or bad or mistrustful people. That's just their personality clashes with ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's where you need, need uh, to get some consultation. Usually what happens in these clashes is we're looking to a mirror. We're seeing something of ourselves that is we're not willing to accept and we don't understand. And so we judge it in someone else. Um, and and you know, usually that is, is what's going on. Okay. Well, you see how it's awfully difficult to have anything in organizational life or in any family system or any community system without an awful lot of inward looking, that there's so much of the inward looking that helps you understand how you show up in the world and how other people impact you. Yes, and we need help to do that. That is so difficult. I I wouldn't say it's impossible. But it's so difficult to have emotional objectivity about your own history, your own experiences, uh, without someone to see it in a different direction. Okay. Uh, it's so very important. All right. Well, Mac, unfortunately, we are out of time. I have a feeling we could keep talking for the next hour on this one. <laughs> it's complicated, and there's an awful lot to say. I think if I come back to um, one of the statements here that I think is so powerful is this notion to under to understand that your intention isn't the thing to be arguing about, that what I need to be doing is trying to understand where you're coming from, to see how it is that you've filtered what I've said or what has happened through your own defenses and your own personality, and that I need to turn that same lens on myself to understand it's not about my intention, it's about how I filtered what's happened through my own experiences, defenses, history, and personality. Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mac, it's been uh, fabulous. And, Thank you for yeah. being on the show. Oh, and enjoyed talking with you. I hope, uh, hope, hope this was helpful. Yeah. I hope so as well. Yeah. Um, and next week, we're going to continue the theme on trust with Charlie Green, and we're going to be talking about his research on what it takes to build trust in relationships. Join us then. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.